God bless you. Thank you for those wonderful testimonies. Sister, your testimony really touched me. And you know, the verse there in Psalm 91, and talk to my wife about stepping on snakes, okay? There are snakes in Cameroon. There's lots of them. There's not as many as when we first went there. I guess they've been reproducing, but we've killed off a bunch of them. <laughs> my wife came that close to stepping on a puff adder the size of my arm right outside the back door of her house. The Lord intervened in a marvelous way and protected her from that. The puff adder is responsible for the deaths of more people in Africa than any other species of snakes. And there's puff adders, there's cobras, there's mambas. And I wasn't going to preach on snakes this morning, but your testimony touched my heart deeply. When you trust in the Lord and step out, that's when he proves himself trustworthy on your behalf. Amen. Psalm 91, we're going to start out in Psalm 78, by the way, but Psalm 91 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. We can take God at his word. We can take him at his promises. He is so wonderfully trustworthy. George Mueller once said, If the Lord fails me at this time, it will be the first time. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together here. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that you incline thine ear toward us as we come to you in the name of your Son. Now, Lord, may our ears be inclined unto thy word. Speak to our hearts, we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So wonderful. I was so pleased to hear that Brother Sisk was going to be here. I first met Brother Sisk uh, 30 years ago when I was a wet behind the ears, brand new, hopeful missionary recruit on deputation headed for Cameroon, and uh, thank you for continuing on in faithfulness, brother. You're a blessing to so many, and certainly to me. And mentioning my wife here, I met her when she was 16 years old. I was 17, less than three years later. We were married, and 48 years later, we're going on, and I give God the glory for a wonderful marriage. I give God the glory for a ministry which has borne fruit, and the Holy Spirit who has enabled and empowered and behind the scenes of it all, there's this faithful woman who's raised up a family. We arrived in Cameroon with five children, uh, another one on the way, and two more came later. She's gone through trials, through difficulties, and she has just been a, a great woman of God behind it all. And I'd encourage you uh, to uh, get to know her a bit if you have that opportunity. This morning, I have a Macedonian mindset. I'm in a Macedonian mood, and I want to see a Macedonian movement of missionaries in this generation. Let's start out with Psalm 78. And Psalm 78 was referred to in one of the testimonies this morning. It was, it was really wonderful there, that testimony that we should not ever limit the Holy One of Israel. The children of Ephraim certainly did limit him. As we see in verse number 9, the children of Ephraim being armed and with bows turned back in the day of battle. I've long been interested in seeing the exploits, if you will, of the Israeli army. Probably the best trained, most capable and equipped defense force in the world today. That was also true back in the days of Ephraim in the northern kingdom of Israel. They were trained, they were armed, they had God with them. They had seen many wonderful and marvelous works, but in this particular instance, in this particular battle, they turned back, and verse 10 and 11 tells us why they turned back. Verse 10 says, they kept not the covenant of God. They forgot about the word of God. They forgot about the word of the Lord. They weren't seeking 
God's direction in everything that they did. And then it says that they refused to walk in his law, that which they did know. They refused to obey it. They refused to step out and simply obey him. And then finally, in verse number 11, it says they forgot his works or they deliberately ignored his works. They refused to see the works that God had did in their lives. They refused to take note of the work that God had done in the lives of those that had gone before them, and they turned back. And how tragic it is and how inclined we are to turn back as well. Now, there is a group of people in the world today that are well-equipped and in the process of being even better equipped for the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is you people in this room here today. You are under the finest teaching that you will find the greatest leadership, the most committed people that you could look for. God has directed each one of you here to Baptist College of Ministry to prepare you, to equip you, so that you will not turn back in the day of battle. Look at me with you, if you would. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. So that's such marvelous, marvelous truths. Our children started attending the Baptist College of Ministry in uh, January of 2007, and it was a tremendous move. God clearly led us to uh, enroll our children here, and we've been very closely involved and excited about our ministry with. Uh, uh, in Cameroon in, in partnership with Falls Baptist Church for a number of years now. And um, one of the great truths among many that we've learned is who we are in Christ and how he has equipped us for the battle so that we, as the Ephraimites were, can be armed and with bows for the battle to prepare. I mean, just look at skimming through Ephesians 1 here, just a few of these marvelous, marvelous verses. We'll start with verse 3. We see that our Lord hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It says in verse number 4, as He has chosen us in Him. We, when we trusted in Christ, He placed us in Christ, the chosen one, and He has equipped us in marvelous ways that we should walk in a holy and blameless way before Him in love. Uh, he predestinated us, verse 5. When you trust in Christ, he, is destined, he, he, he predetermined that we would be adopted at his children. That's part of the salvation package that he gives to us when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that we should be to the praise of his glory. And he has made us to be accepted in the beloved. What a marvelous thing. I revel in that verse. I, I rejoice in it that we are accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God. It goes on to tell us in verse number 7 that we have redemption through His blood. We have His forgiveness according to His great riches and grace. Verse 8, He's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He's made known unto us the mystery of His will. Uh, verse 10, uh, He's gathering together all things in one in Christ. Verse 11, we have an inheritance. And we're part of His plan who worketh all things to, according to the counsel of His own will. And it just goes on and on through this. It tells us in verse number 13 that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the earnest. He is the down payment. He's the guarantee of our redemption, of, of the purchased possession. Uh, I just rejoice in this, and I think you do too as you go through this. And this is part of your equipment. This is part of you being prepared because of who you are in Christ and what He is working out in and through your lives. It goes on down. Uh, just... For example, verse 18, the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. 
that we may know what is the hope of his calling and the glory of his inheritance. In verse 19, we know what is the exceeding greatness of his dynamite power to usward who believe that is the great salvation power that we have in Christ. Verse number 20 talks about his great resurrection power, which he wrought in Christ, which he raised from the dead, set him in his own right hand, his great ascension power, and the power that we have seated together in the heavenly places with Christ, Ephesians 2, 6, and we are equipped for the battle if anybody ever was. This is available to every believer in Christ. But not every believer in Christ has the opportunity to sit under teaching such as you do on a daily basis to have that truth reinforced in you that you are residing in Christ. You are together with him in the heavenly places at the right hand of the throne of God the Father. Look in Acts chapter 26, if you would. I want to take a look at a couple of the calls that Paul received. The primary call that he received to ministry, we see... In Acts chapter 26, Paul got saved in a glorious way. You know the story, on his way to Damascus to persecute people. But the Lord appeared to him, and then he gave him not only his salvation, he gave him a wonderful life calling. Jesus told him there in Acts chapter 26, verse 16, he said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which I have seen, and of those things in the world which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. And here's the commission, verse 18, for Paul, his calling to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That was a very specific calling for the rest of his life. That applies to us as well. Now go over to Acts chapter 16 with me if you would. Having been equipped by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the calling he has for our lives, we can absolutely trust him. I can't tell you how many times I've faced a situation. Sometimes it's physical danger. Sometimes it's physical hardship. Sometimes it's, it's a spiritual battle. And, and various other challenges, I just had to say, Lord, I trust you because you are trustworthy. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It is an irrevocable decision that no matter what, I will trust him for what he's doing. That call that Paul received in Acts chapter 26, by the way, and, and, and the great commission verses that we're so familiar with, each one of them says, in one way or another, to go. And to come back is not a part of any of those passages. Coming back is not a part of that. Paul had a great team. He was heading across modern-day Turkey, town after town, village after village, trial after trial. He traveled with his partner Silas, a great man of God. He traveled with a very faithful servant, Luke. He traveled with his disciple Timothy. They were walking in obedience. They were preaching the gospel. God was using them in mighty ways. They got to Troas. They ran out of places to go would have been very understandable if they had said, all right, we have covered a lot of territory. Let, let's go back on furlough right now. 
And they were trusting the Lord. They were, they were asking what they should do. And, and while they were waiting to see what they should do next, as they were praying, they began to preach the gospel in Troas. A good church was started in Troas. They came back and preached there again later. But one night, as we see there in Acts chapter 16, verse 8, Paul saw a vision that says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And the amazing thing is how quickly they obeyed that. And after they had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And it goes on to tell how they got on the ship and they went up to Samothracia, Neapolis, and we read a lot about their very effective ministry in Philippi, Berea, and also very particularly Thessalonica before they went on to Athens and Corinth and so on. The gospel spread into Europe because of the obedience to that call. That vision... That man from Macedonia that appeared to, call, to Paul, he simply said, come on over and help us. He only saw that vision once. And in fact, it's amazing as you go through the scriptures how rarely miracles are repeated. How rarely supernatural uh, events that God orchestrates, how, how rarely they're repeated in the same way. They only saw the Macedonian vision once. So often people will such as our sister here in class the other day, will we'll just recognize the call of God upon her life, the need and the fact that God can equip her and use her to meet that need. But so often we begin to doubt. And we must remember never to doubt in the darkness what God has shown us in the light. And sometimes we want a second Macedonian vision, Macedonian call. We want a third one. We want a fourth one. We want a fifth one. We, we keep casting out fleeces when God has already clearly spoken to us. And I love what Brother Sis says. You, you can't preach the gospel in the wrong place. You can't preach the gospel to the wrong person. You don't have to be afraid about missing God's will for where he wants you to be in your life and in your ministry. There's no need to sit here wringing your hands. Well, what if I go to the wrong place? What if I miss his calling? Don't worry about it. God is bigger than that. He can redirect you through closed doors and as well as open doors, and he has redirected us time and time and time again through closed doors, but after the closed doors, we have seen the doors blow open. And we thank God for those many, many opportunities that way. This Macedonian call in Paul's case was for him and his team to go to a particular place for a particular period of time. It wasn't a lifetime calling for him, but he obeyed it. They obeyed it, and they went there, and it's interesting, you look through the rest of the New Testament, and you see the word Macedonia about 25 times, because there was a great work that was established in Macedonia. There was lives changed, there was churches established, there was persecution, but those new believers, they gave in fact, they gave a lot of money to help the poor people in Jerusalem. They gave a lot of money to help the missionaries, and they gave out the gospel. The Bible says the gospel sounded out from the believers in Thessalonica there in Macedonia. And those who really live are those who really give. And those who really give are those who really live. And God is calling us to really live out our lives giving and loving with the compassion of Jesus Christ to make a difference. There was a lot of furtherance from the gospel that resulted from the obedience to the gospel call to go into Macedonia. I had the pleasure, Barb and I did this week, of spending some 
time with some old friends, uh, Randy and Bonnie Studdard. They spent many years serving in Cameroon, preaching the gospel to the Muslims in the far north of Cameroon. They spent several years in Turkey, reaching out to the Muslims there. And now, just as soon as they can get their visas arranged, they're going to be in England, uh, reaching out to uh, Muslim people there. But there was a man many years ago, some of you may have heard of him, uh, Dr. John Dreisbach. How many of you have heard that name, Dr. John Dreisbach? He was a missionary to Niger, a missionary to, to Niger. He was a missionary to uh, Nigeria, Niger, and, and northern Cameroon until he passed away some years. I had the privilege of flying around the country in our airplanes several different times. But Dr. Dreisbach would talk to Randy and Bonnie Studdard many years ago about the open doors of opportunity to take the gospel to those countries in, in the Sahel, just underneath the Sahara Desert, and Randy and Bonnie listened. Randy and Bonnie listened. That was their Macedonian call, and they went. There was a young preacher there in Cameroon years ago that had the opportunity to visit with uh, Ben Sinclair when he was out there in Cameroon uh, on a missions trip back in the late 90s. And I saw this young man speak to, to Ben, and he says, come on over and help us. I saw the Macedonian call carried out, and Ben obeyed that call, and God's been using him for a number of years there in, in Cameroon. There are many things that we naturally tend to be afraid of. We are afraid of how God's going to provide for us. Can we really trust him? Can he really provide a table in the wilderness? Our children learned that God can provide a table in the wilderness. A few years after we got there to Cameroon, we totally ran out of food. We ran out of money. We ran out of cooking gas. If we'd had food, we wouldn't have had gas to cook it. Well, we did have a little bit of food. We had a half a bucket of potatoes left and, and just zero money. And um, the insurance had expired in the car, and the car was out of gas, and, and we were just stuck, just trusting the Lord and asking him to provide and so we had to figure out a way to cook that half a bucket of potatoes that we had. And I knew there were some dead trees up in the hill above us, and we had maybe a gallon or so of gasoline in the car. And so I got all the kids, and we got out the axes and the machetes, and we jumped in the car, and we went up, and we cut down a tree and, and piled up the dead wood on top of the car on the roof rack and started coming down. And a man was walking along the road, and he stopped me. And I talked to him for a minute, and he said, you know, you've been here in our village for three or four years, and I've never come by to, to welcome you. Could I stop by tomorrow morning and, and officially welcome you to our village? I said, sure, we'll be around. Come on down. We went down. We cooked up those potatoes uh, in the fireplace, and the potatoes were gone. The food was gone. We woke up the next morning, and we just asked the Lord to provide, not knowing how he was going to do it. And that farmer that we'd met along the road, he came down, and you've seen so many pictures of people in Africa and elsewhere, they carry heavy, heavy loads on their head. In fact, a lot, of times, a lot of times those loads are so heavy, they can't lift them up to put them on the head. Someone has to help them. They need someone to help them set them down. And Brother Pritam is shaking his head. He's, he's done that, and there's numerous times I've helped people put things on their head so they can carry it. People have helped me too. But this guy came down and helped him get that bag off of his head. It probably weighed 100 pounds. He came into our house, and he, he welcomed us, had his little speech there. And, and I tried to witness the gospel to him. He really wasn't all that interested in the gospel, but he was very kind to us. And, and he went out the door, and I picked up the bag that set him up top of his head. And he said, oh, no, 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 That's, that, that bag isn't going with me. I brought that bag for you. And he dumped it out uh, on, on our living room floor there, and it was full of probably 100 pounds of potatoes and onions and beans, and lettuce, and I don't know what all is in there, but our kids are gathered around, their eyes were just huge. <laughs> we had food that lasted us for, I think it was several weeks, uh, until, 
um, some finances came in and were able to get uh, back on track again. But I don't remember ever seeing that man again. Can the Lord provide a table in the wilderness? Can he provide for you? Can he protect you? Two years and about four or five months ago, I flew our airplane out there to a remote uh, uh, strip there in a place called Amanaville. It was early on a Sunday morning, and I was going to plan to preach out there. And I was sitting there in the little um, thatch-covered uh, church building, sitting on some planks. And, and I got in there early and waiting for some people to show up. I just sitting there reading my New Testament, and a guy comes running up to me. He's out of breath and sweat pouring down his face. And the first thing he said was, I want to give you $50, equivalent of $50 to take and give to my wife because I had earlier flown his wife and their child out for some medical attention. And so I said, yes, I'll take care of that for you. Then the next words out of his mouth were, there's a group of men coming here to kill you. And I suggest that you leave. And that was kind of in the midst of the building up of the conflict there in Cameroon that eventually made it necessary for us to leave. But I looked that man in the eye and I realized this guy has no reason to lie to me. And I jumped up, and as fast as I could, I ran up and jumped in the airplane and turned the key and flew out of there and, and just was really, really burdened by that. But I found out later, yes, those men indeed were coming to kill me. They had falsely uh, understood that I was using our airplane to spy on them and report their appearance or their, their activities back to the government. And so it just broke my heart. Well, the several villagers in that area uh, got together, several tribes actually got together, and they caught those boys, and they beat them up really good and said, quit messing with our missionary. And then they sent word uh, to me that it was safe to come back in there. So I started flying back in there, and then just about exactly two years ago, uh, in, in, I think it was October, I flew back in there, and uh, Brother Seth uh, Falkers was with me, and, and Brother Valerie, and, and another young man, and... Um, as soon as we got out of the airplane, a group of about five or six guys just come running up the airstrip with their shotguns, just five or six abreast coming right towards us. Just had time to say, Lord, I trust you, Lord. Father, we just really need your help right now. And show me what I can preach to them. <laughs> and they came up and I greeted them. And they weren't actually pointing the guns at us, but standing there in a very threatening way. And uh, I opened up my Bible, said, I want to preach to you guys, and started preaching. They were just absolutely not interested. They, they cut me off, and then it's kind of a long story, but they uh, eventually uh, robbed us of some money after threatening to destroy the aircraft and threatening to harm us. And um, off we went, but the Lord protected us from those two incidents that took place there, and I flew out, and again, the villagers caught those guys and beat them up, so quit messing with our missionary, but I realized it was, it was time not only for our personal safety, but for the personal safety of others around us to move out of that area, and that's what Brother Zempel referred to. And then a couple days after that, you know the story, Brother Charles Wesco was shot and killed. Why was he shot and killed and not us? We drove through that same intersection two days prior to him. In fact, that same day we drove through the intersection, we were confronted by a guy with a gun along the road, and the Lord uh, protected us there. I don't know the answer to the why question. No one does, but God does, and we're content to rest in him. Lord, no matter what, I trust you. Though he slay me, though he slay my friend, I trust you. I trust you. So we're regrouping. We're moving into another part of the country now that speaks French, and so our whole loosely knit team is learning French, and pray for us that we can preach the gospel in French. There's a couple of other African languages we speak that we want to continue on uh, using those because we meet people who speak those languages every day. But 
Paul had this team. And each one of those people had a different specialty. They worked together for the cause of the gospel, and God greatly used them. We're putting together a team. I mentioned in the testimony in church last night, uh, we're trusting God for some great big things. In radio ministry, we need people to be involved in that. We need people to be involved in aviation. We need people to be involved in the camping ministry and in the Bible institutes and reaching the many many unreached peoples that are there in Cameroon. And, and, and each of you have received this missionary booklet, I think, and it's got an article in there uh, that I highly recommend by Oswald Smith. Pastor Gilmore found that, put that in there about reaching out to the unreached, the unreached people groups of the world. There's many of them in Cameroon and in the surrounding countries. We really need your help. There's the cities. We'll be living in a city of 4 million people. I'm a country boy, so pray for that adjustment. Uh, that'll be challenging, but there's people. That's what we're there for. God sent us not to live in a nice, comfortable place in the country, but to be where people are because they need to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, there's need for translation. Our daughter's actively involved in a translation project there of the Bible. And if God's not calling you, could I just give you a personal challenge? If, if, if you make the statement, well, God's not calling me to Cameroon. Okay, I can accept that. He's not going to call every one of you there, but Answer this question. If he's not calling you there, why not? Why not? If he's not calling you to go and preach the gospel to folks who have never heard. I, I've, I've preached the gospel to people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. Now, the majority of them there have heard the name of Jesus Christ, but the very, very few, even as Brother Rains was saying yesterday evening, that very few understand the gospel. There was a wide open opportunity there. There will be dangers there will be difficulties. There will be disappointments. There will be discouragements. But every one of those, I thank God for every danger we've ever faced. I thank him for every difficulty. I thank him for every disappointment. I thank him for every discouragement because in every one, he shows himself strong. In fact, every time we encounter a difficulty, it's an opportunity for God to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He is faithful. He will not fail you. We can trust him. He can be trusted. But it's when you put your foot out and risk stepping on that puff adder. Now, you don't do that deliberately. <laughs> but when you put yourself in a position where you have to trust in God, that is when he shows himself trustworthy to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what your provision is going to be, of what your protection is going to be, of what your direction is going to be. Obey the Macedonian call. And we can see great and wonderful things. Remember, when Paul and his team obeyed the Macedonian call, the gospel went to Macedonia, to Europe. The impact is resounding throughout the world to this day. Imagine the impact that your obedience to the gospel could make. I wonder sometimes, what if we hadn't gone? I'm not saying that to exalt us. I'm saying it to exalt the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What if we hadn't gone to Cameroon nearly 30 years ago? I, I, I'm picturing in my mind all these people that we love, just like I'm seeing your faces, I'm seeing their faces right now. Those folks will still be in polygamous homes, worshiping idols, worshiping the false god Allah, going on a path to hell. Many of them already would have been in hell if we hadn't gone. God wants to use you, folks. He really wants to use you. You won't be sorry. You won't regret if you obey the Cameroonian call or the call to wherever God is sending you.